Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The Rugby Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Hi and welcome to Rocket with me, Kieran Bracken, and my co-host Nick Easter. This week we'll be talking about the top of the table clash in the Premiership and of course the much-anticipated quarterfinals of the Champions Cup. And of course, catching up with Nick and all his news up at Newcastle. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Well, Nick, well, it sounds like I can see uh, that you're, you're back in Newcastle. And so you're back up there and obviously um, back into training. And uh, I, I believe you've signed a new scrum half. I always find this about, you know, I see this in football a lot. You know, one coach coaches somewhere and then raids their uh, their old team and brings them back to their new team. So you've 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 brought um, you've brought a, a player from uh, the Sharks, haven't you, Louis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he, he was he was he was the skipper when I was there. So um, yeah. yeah, good, great signing. Um, you know, obviously knew, knew that he was coming before I joined. So, you know, having spoken to Dean, but you, you don't release these things till the appropriate moment. Um, uh, yeah, it it it, it um, fit in perfectly, mate. Um, you know, he's got the sort of game for the Premiership, good skill set, but also a very driven competitor as well. Good age, then late twenties. So he's, you know, he's not he's not like pre you know some some uh, overseas players that come over for a pension. You know, he wants to improve his rugby and late twenties. He's twenty nine, mate. Well, mate, mate. I mean, look. I mean, as a scrum half, you don't make too many tackles and too many hit too many rucks, do you? So you probably can go on a little bit. But look at Newcastle. Did you say, listen, we've got this really warm place, right? We've got this beautiful place. We've got the best nightclubs in the world. We've got nightclubs in boats with revolving dance floors. It's the place to be, and it's beautifully warm. And he probably looked it up and thought, yeah, that looks nice. Well, I would say so, right? But. Coming from Durban, where the climate is sensational, and you don't get you don't get a day under twenty degrees, and you buy yeah. a beach, and you know you're training, you know you have to make sure you're not training in the middle of the day, you know from from the heat point of view. But it's a beautiful climate, just in shorts all the time. But our num- one of our number eights, Philip Van der Volt, who signed last year, came over and and he's given him a bit of a brief on the sort of. Differing climates, shall I say, of Newcastle to Durban. But Philip, when he signed, I remember he signed last year when I was over there, and he signed for Newcastle. I went, all right, okay. And I said, um, you know, what does what your missus think? He goes, oh, you know, she's happy. You know, she wants to go to Europe and everything. Yeah, no, that's good. I said, but what does your missus think about a change in lifestyle? Because your missus has been in Durban all her life. Right? That. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, it gets quite cold up there. I mean, you obviously know Europe's a bit colder than South Africa anyway. He goes, oh, does it? No. <laughs> Oh, like, mate, <laughs> it is windy. It will snow for about two, three months. You'll be training literally in three layers. You won't be training in one layer like you do down here. And he was just—he looked at me in a waitress when I was telling him, just like, oh, oh, really? And I was sort of thinking, don't you do any research like, when, you, when you're looking at these sort of places? You know, obviously you want to know about the rugby club, the coaching, the, you know, the league you're playing in, the other players, but... Uh, you know, in the area, but uh, the, the climate as well is is uh, can be a bit of a factor. But uh, you know, he, he's 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 embraced it, Philip and uh, Louis will as well. And I, you know, I've spoken to him, um, you know, since I knew about it, and he's just absolutely 
you know, keen as mustard to get going and challenge himself in a new environment, course, a new league. Of course he is. I mean, there's a big difference, isn't there? I mean, I don't know what the money's like in South Africa, but I mean, when you convert the Rand into Sterling, you know, for them, is it is it a big opportunity for them to play in Europe because of the exchange rate? I mean, I know that was the case when I was when I was playing. We're talking the, the Francois Peanut area and, and that sort of era, but a lot of them wants to come because of the, the difference in the exchange rate. Yeah, I mean, that's always been, you know, it's always been um, an attraction, hasn't it? You know, for any overseas players, especially from South Africa. I think also, you know, a lot of them have moved over here now. It's probably about setting up a new life as well. Um, because, you know, so sadly, you know, we, we we know how South Africa has sort of gone downhill in terms of, um, you know, the economy, um, in terms of its governance and how it's run. You know, it's still... It's, it's it's very, very sad, mate. I mean, you've been there as well. You know, it's, it's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful country, but we won't get into the politics of it. But basically, um, you know, a lot of those guys at Sale, you know, who I was with with the Sharks, you know, they're, they're sort of looking a bit more longer term in, in, in terms of setting up their family life. And mm. um, the education is good in South Africa, but from an education point of view and, you know, looking at the next stage as well. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity that uh, quite a few from down in South Africa, uh, sort of chase, not just for the sort of conversion rate, but also, you know, um, a different life, but also the possibility of setting up the rest of their life. I'm, all, I'm all, all, always intrigued with um, teams coming up into the Premiership. And, I'm, you know, you see it in football. I don't know where you watch. You're, are you a Leeds uh, supporter? Did you Leeds know? fan, mate. Leeds but, fan. Hey, but listen, hey, what about my Liverpool? Oi, we oi. Were playing, we're toying with you. We were toying with you. Mate, mate. We you had the best away. best defence in the league last year, right? Yeah. We got three past. You had two disallowed, and we made you uncomfortable. I didn't expect anything else out of that game. I think that's a great result for us to build on. Like, but it, it just goes to show what uh, the media's like, mate, because I read the reports the next day, and all the, the editor's headline are, Leeds blow great opportunity. It's all negative. And it's like, are you kidding? They're playing against like the best side in Europe. Um, in the world, man. League, in the world, world champion. the league last year, and um, they've literally given them the fright of their life. And ultimately, then you, you know, mate, you only, you only won in the last three, four minutes anyway. But uh, I think yeah. that's a great. It's a great building block, mate. You, we've set our stall out. We're a hard pressed team. We don't allow people to settle on the ball. A little bit like Liverpool, or a lot like Liverpool. And um, you know, we've made our mark. We've made our mark. We've but, got to keep on, mate. Yeah. It was great for you to follow up that match and then lose to Hull in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, but mate, prem, <laughs> mate, Premier League is priority, mate. Oh, so that's great. So listen, yeah, I mean that Bielsa's he's he's an interesting character, isn't he? Mm. Uh, they absolutely love him. But um, I was so surprised. I mean, I, I mean, I looked at Liverpool. I mean, the first few minutes, I thought, oh, this is going to be we're going to smash them here. I was a bit harsh with the with the penalty, the first penalty, because. I did it his hand, but it ricocheted off his knee. But anyway, the new laws and new laws. But I tell you what, you should have scored a couple more, shouldn't you? That that was uh, gifted to you, where one on one with the goal, um, and and missed their shots. But I yeah. tell you what, being I mean, uh, nerves, mate, and you know getting used to that level. But uh, I I also find it quite amusing. There's about sort of 15 minutes in, and our central defender cock. And uh, yeah. Jamie Carragher was commentating, and uh, I can't remember the phrase he used now. Yeah, in my head. But uh, Martin Tyler goes, "That's his name, by the way." 
Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was you know d- d- double sort of meaning. It was, and then he said, "I've been waiting for ages to say that." Yeah. Um, yeah, but he didn't have a great game. But those centre halves are going to have to learn quick, and uh, you know he'd rather do it against the best team on the opening day, really. The reason why I mention it is about a team coming up like Leeds, who've you know taken years to come up, and and it's all about philosophy of of the way they play. Now Bielsa and Leeds, it looks like that they're just going to go all out attack. They were talking about talking about having lots of people in the box, and you know that's why they scored a lot of goals last year. I was just thinking of Newcastle, and I think of the the age range, the people that you've signed. I just wonder. I, I I'm, I'm guessing though to to play in the Premiership and to survive. You know, I, I think personally that, that your first port of call has to be your defence. It's all very well scoring tries, but, you know, getting in that premiership and staying in that premiership, your number one priority has to be to, you're never going to keep a clean sheet, but, you know, keep the tries down, stay in the game, um, but mainly keep keep the opposition out, you know. And I always find that the play, the teams coming up end up being the whipping boys, you know, in the premiership. And you look at the scores and it always is, it's a 30, 40, 50 pointer, um, you know, and sometimes they get a result. But but what's the philosophy? What's been talked about? How are you going to approach this, you know, getting in the premiership, staying in the premiership? You know, how, as, have you had your your meeting where you you talk about your DNA? Not, not a group meeting yet um, because, you know, we're managing training around this, you know, COVID crisis and sort of just, you know, putting the building blocks and understanding of the systems in place, you know, get out there and learn sort of thing rather than um, have too many meetings at this stage, Um, you know, find out the sort of teething problems and the differences that need to be made, picking up individuals. But as a coaching group, you know, I've spoken to Dave and Dean, you know, together and sometimes individually quite informally about it. And you're right. I mean, ultimately, you know, especially in rugby and in the Premiership, it's such an attritional league and a league that scores a lot of tries, mate. Let's not forget about that. I know yeah. people moan about it, but no, there's never been a time when more tries have been scored in the game of rugby. Um, and it's about making yourself very, very tough to beat. I think mm-hmm. you know, when you put the building blocks in place, you know, you have to have your kicking game, you have to have your set piece, and you have to have your defence. Um, you know, the, the game basically flows from those three things. Your attack can flow from those three things. I mean, you know, you manage the territory well, the territorial pressure in terms of your kicking game. It'll give you opportunities and it'll be less for the opposition, you know. It goes, to, goes without saying. Yeah. You don't, you don't give an inch in the set piece or you get on top there. It gives you opportunities again in attack and similarly from a defensive point of view. And, you know, speaking with Mark Wilson, um, a few of the senior boys as well, Toby Flood, and those guys, you know, that's that's what they want. You know, they've got that sort of northeast. You know, there's a lot of guys from the local area. You know, a good, a good identity in terms of that northern grit. Um, you know, really industrious, hardworking group of individuals, and you know how that, that reflects. You know, the town and the city. Um, and you know, that's that that's really got to be instilled in them. And you know, we've got two months. You know, it won't. There'll there'll be errors. I've said so. I said, look, there's going to be mistakes, but you've got to buy in. And you've got, and and they agree with everything. And you know, we've had a sort of meetings with the players as well in terms of right. Look, this is what I like doing, but it's got to suit what you like doing. What do you think? You're playing the game at the moment, so you know, we've well, but we, we've, 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 bashed, we've bashed heads, so we've cut. You know, we we know what we're trying to do from that point of view, and ultimately, you know, as you say, it's about just not not giving them in, an, an inch ever. You know, whether it be in the contact area, whether it be in terms of time and space, and 
even if you do happen to be in some games 20 points down, you don't throw in the towel, you never give up. And you can really build things on that sort of attitude. Who's, who's the uh, backup fly after Toby Flood? I mean, God, how old is he now? 34, 35? I mean, uh, Joel Hodgson. Joel Hodgson's in there. Right, OK. So, uh, Wilson's a tidy player, isn't he? I mean, you know, he, he's he's a real workhorse. Whenever he's played for England, he's been always close to man of the match. He's one, one hell of a player, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But listen, um, it's really interesting, you know, since we, we were talking the last uh, few episodes about the, the Premiership and... You know, we we were always talking. We had Exeter, we had Exeter Sale and Bristol really nailed on, and we were always each episode we were talking about which clubs, so Wasp and Bath and Gloucester Harkers, who's going to get up in that fourth spot. And it's it's funny how the Premiership has turned on its head. Uh, we've got Exeter, who are obviously who, who who are in the the semi final already, and they're going great guns. And whether they put out a first team or a second team, they look very strong. But amazingly now, Wasps are second. So they're on 61 points. Bath on 60 points. Sale on 59 points. And Bristol on 59 points. But we're now at the, you know, at the important end of the season where we're, we're, there's two more games to play. And I think it's, well, we talked about how disappointing some of the rugby's been, which I feel has been, you know, some teams putting out first teams against second teams, having mismatches, games over by half time, And I think that's been a, a real shame. Um, but I just look at it now and, you know, we're sort of very, it's crucial to have home advantage in the semi-final. We know Exeter have got the home advantage. Their sites at the moment are probably on Europe. So, but, the, but looking at the, the next game, so Wasser is second place. They've got Quinns who for them, I guess they've, they've, they've checked out now because they're, they've, they've got their eighth spot. They're in Europe. It's, I suppose that two more games to go for them, but, Wasp have got Quinns and then Exeter. And I kind of think those two games are very winnable for Wasps, very winnable for Wasps, partly because Quinns may have checked out, they've finished their season, nothing else to play for, and partly because Exeter may probably put their second team out and save their players. Bath have got, they've got Gloucester and then Saracens. Now, Gloucester, I mean, they had an awful game, Cipriani at his worst uh, in his last game. Um, who was their last game against? Um, Quinns, mate. Against Quinns, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they've got Saracens, who, to be honest, you know, focusing on Europe, but also may have just checked out anyway by the end of the season. But Sale have got, they've got Northampton and they've got Worcester and then Bristol have got Leicester and then London Irish. So, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting now, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I've, mate, I mean I've, I, you look, it's, it's great that it's going down to the wire, this. And it's, it's quite hard to call, as you correctly say, because you don't know what sort of team people are going to put out. But I'd imagine with this European weekend, save for Exeter, um, I think Sarries will. I think Sarries will want to make a point against Bath in the last game at home. Yeah. Sign yeah. off, I really do. So uh, I, I think Sarries are going to be a difficult customer for them there. Yeah. Um, I think Bristol will beat Leicester and London Irish. Um, yeah. Um, I think Sale will beat Northampton and Worcester. Worcester. Um, I th- so I think I think those 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 two knew the knew what their last couple of fixtures were. I know Sale have been struggling a bit, in all fairness, but they'll they'll have a week to rebuild now and remember exactly what it is that they do well. And you know they're a good side and they're a top four side. That's for sure. I, I think I think the tricky one, mate, is going to be uh, is wasps, wasps and bath because I, I disagree with you. I, I, you know, being an ex-Quinn, 
you know, in the rivalry with Wasps, I can tell you something, mate. And with a two-week right. build-up as well, and they've got a bit of momentum, Quinns. I know, you know, they didn't have to do much to beat Gloucester and London Irish, you know, put their under-20s out. But they've got two wins behind them. It'll be a big focus on trying to get four wins to finish the season. But Wasps up next to the stoop. We've got a good record, mate. Uh, sorry, I say Quinns have got a good record against them. Mm. Got a very, very good record against them. And... I think Wasps have been riding the crest of a wave. They've been playing very, very well. They're rejuvenated under Lee Blackett. But if you actually have a look in comparison to actually the quality of the opposition they've played as opposed to everyone else, yeah, is, okay, they, since coming back, all right, they beat Northampton away. But we now know, you know, Northampton are struggling. You know, at the time, we weren't aware of that. They, um, they beat Worcester. At home, they lost to Sale at home when Sale put a second team out against their first team. I know, you know, you've got a few first teamers and second teamers in there respectively, mm. but if we want to simplify it down, they had a very, very good win at Bath. You can't take that away from them. Um, a very, very good win, showed a lot of character um, and Saracens. But the last couple of games, sort of Bristol and Leicester, have been under strength sides. And you just think, you know, with this week off as well, are they are they going to be battle hardened enough to go to the stoop and against a bitter rival um, and one that will be at full strength take that game? And and I think that that is actually the tie of the round for when we come back into the Premier League yeah. this week. I mean, it's a very tight game to call, but uh, as you say, mate, it's really hard. But if I was going to go, put my neck on the block, I would say Bristol and Sale will win their two games. Yeah. I think. I think. Bath, how many points are Wasps on? Uh, Wasps are on, they're on 61, Bath 60, Sale and Bristol 59 each. Right, so Bath, Gloucester, there might be, you know, Bath, Gloucester, even though it's across the road, and Gloucester will be smarting from that performance. Yeah. Um, they got Bath, got Saracens in the last game. So you think Saracens? I think Saracens doing, but that, but as you say, mate, the Exeter ones are tough. I think Exeter might go full strength. I think but, I think they'll go under strength for London Irish a week after the quarter final, and I think I think they'll go full strength because you want your guys being match fit for the semi final, and that's the week after the Europeans are, are at the week after the semi, and I think Exeter will go. F- Bullish strength for that because the, you, you want them to be match fit and they'll rest them the week before after Europe. So I think Wasps have got the two hardest, mate. Quinn's away, Exeter at home. I think they might be the ones to miss out. I know I, I, it's them or Bath. I think them or Bath are going to have the toughest fixtures. It, I guess. I guess really for for Wasps and Bath, it depends which which of their of their. Um competition which one of them's really feel like they've checked out and that you know they're, they're, they're ending the season yeah so. but, I mean that's what we're discussing though isn't it and, I, and, I, and I, I think Gloucester will be really pissed off with that performance I mean it was dreadful wasn't it and and they've got two weeks now to rebuild and say hold on a second yeah. coaching staff well, what the hell was this about you must and, you could be absolutely gutted though if you're you're like from where sale where I mean uh, Steve Diamond I remember when he coached me he's quite brutal but um I think at the end of the last game that he lost, he just turned around. So maybe we're just not good enough for top four. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's a message to the players, isn't it, mate? And he, he's done that before. He did that, I think, when they lost to Exeter. So they lost their first two. Yeah. And he said, maybe we've hit our level. No, no, he said that. No, that's what he said. He said, maybe we're not top four. Then he got a response out of them. They won the next two. And now he said, maybe we're at our level. Maybe we can't get any better. 
And that's just, that's that's not what he thinks or believes at all. It's just a message yeah. to his players. And you know, you got it's, it's it's a delicate sort of balance that, isn't it? About how what you say in public and to the media if you are going to be critical of your side, because I think you've got to have quite an experienced side to be able to take that on the chin and go, yeah, he's right here. We haven't been we haven't been stepping up to the plate and performing and, and leading the team. So you think? So you think? So so I think you're right. So Sale and Bristol with their two matches left, will probably get five points. And then you think it might be Wasps, one of Wasps and Bath might miss out if they don't have, you know, if they don't, if, if the teams that they're playing against really go for the rivalry. I, I know what you mean. There could end up being points lost there. So, yeah, it is going to go down. To oh, I'm nicking the line, mate. I think, I, I think, I think Wasps will be the unfortunate ones to miss out. Um, Bath and them have got the toughest two games. I just see Bath winning against Gloucester at home, not against Saris. And I think Wasps might, could, they could win them both, but they, they could also quite conceivably lose to Quinns away and an extra at home. If, you know, if Quinns and extra put out a full strength side. It's exciting though from where it was, isn't it? I mean, we all we all thought it was a done deal with the with the top three at least and everyone fighting for fourth. But listen, it's it's gonna be a great end to the weekends. But I mean, I guess now it must be hard for some of these teams, especially Northampton with their injuries. But the the let's talk about the, the Champions Cup, uh European Cup. We've got um We've got a rerun of last year's final with Leinster and Saracens. Uh, Saracens winning twenty ten. Um, this time it's away from home. Um, so, so the the, the quarterfinals got Exeter v Northampton. We'll talk about that. But then you've got the all French affair with Claremont v Racing, and then Toulouse v Ulster. But the the Leinster Saracens game, you know, Leinster. I think they're unbeaten this season, aren't they? Winning the, the Pro fourteen, they just look they just look so strong, so good. And then you look at Saracens, who've uh, who stuttered over the last month. I, I was surprised, especially when they put a lot of their big guns up against Wasps' second team and struggled. And then and then they've actually had some great wins with some of their second string. But the big the big question mark, I guess, for Saracens, and we could talk about Leinster, but for Saracens, losing Owen Farrell, their talisman, their their captain, what that will do for the team. Sometimes though it can rejuvenate a team because they can feel in the sense that, you know, they've lost their big man, so they've really got to up their game. It'd be interesting to see who they pick. I mean, the, the talk is that Alex Good will start, but Vunny Polar, the, 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 the fly half, has, uh, has been outstanding when he's played. I wonder if they'll just throw him in and leave Alex Good at fullback. But how big a loss do you think is Owen Farrell? Or in, in some ways, you've seen it sometimes where you lose one of your best players and the team know they've got to fight for every inch more now. They've yeah, lost. mate. And the thing is, Saracens, you know, they're uh, with everything that's happened this year. Despite that, they're a very, very tight group. They're a very healthy um, playing group, right? They play for each other. They all understand the system. Um, yeah. They know what's expected of them. Um, if Owen Farrell had pulled out two days before, or the, even the week before, got injured, and They've been planning for this game for eight months now, Saracens, since obviously relegation. This is the one they won. So they've been playing around the Premiership when they need to perform. They performed, put, you know, blood in a lot of the youngsters, seeing how combinations work. But this is the game that they've actually been analysing and preparing for. Um, and they've known about Faz now, what? So, so it'll be three weeks with it. It'll be three weeks leaning in, but enough time. 
So that is enough time to plan and prepare and the understudies to understand the game plan, you know, whoever's playing 10, whether it be Vunapola, whether it be Alex Goot. There's no pressure on them at all. Everyone's expecting Leinster haven't lost a competitive game this year. The last game they lost actually was Saracens in the cup final at New- in Newcastle last year. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm going to give you a prediction early. At the beginning of the week, I would have said Leinster. Right. The more and more I've sort of read and, and thought about it in terms of the planning and preparation and knowing how Saracens get their players to peak as well. Um, and the pressure on Leinster and Johnny Sexton as well now. Because Johnny Sexton was on the bench for the Pro 14. So there's been a few question marks about him. And knowing what England have done to Ireland as well in the last two Six Nations and the World Cup game where they battered them. Yeah. And, a, and a strong majority of those players still at Saracens, who represented England, certainly in the pack, is I'm going to go for an away win, mate. It's it's so tight. It's so tight. But I'm going to back Saris. That's the first. I think that's the most positive things you've, you've said about Saris in the last six months since we've been doing the There's not been much, much positivity about that, is it? Let's be honest. Cool. I do kind of feel... There it is. Not, not that you would, but I mean, um, you know, if you think about the players that they're missing who are playing for other clubs, Ben Spencer has been absolutely unbelievable. And, I, you know, on that note, I think he should be starting for England um, against Italy, but I don't think Eddie Jones will do that. Uh, but but losing players like Ben Spencer, who've been outstanding, you know, is it Maitland's the, the fullback as well? Uh, ben Earl. Ben Earl, yeah. He's been doing well at Bristol, hasn't he? Dynamic guy. Cruz, Cruz, he's in Japan now, isn't he, Cruz? Yeah, yeah. it wiggles yeah. It's a Wigglesworth fit. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't well, think so. I mean, I think, to you know, I'll reassess what I say. If Wigglesworth is fit, whoever plays at 10, you've got a boatload of experience there and probably the best game managing nine in the world. Yeah. Um, but if he's not fit, then uh, I'll plump for Leinster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just think with Faz missing, and we've discussed that, it's important. You know, you know in, in these knockout games, mate, we spoke about a kicking game and territorial management and knowing when to play, when not to play, and turn the pressure on the opposition. And, you know, if you've got two rookies in there or a guy that hasn't played, you know, Goody, who's a 15 playing 10 and, you know, a young nine, you know, Len- Leinster, if they know that, you know, they'll be, um, they'll be getting after them. They'll be getting after them and making sure that, their advantage there would count. But if Wiggs if Wiggs playing, I think mate, I don't know, no expectation on them, mate. It's not a case that they can wield the axe and throw caution to the wind because they're not that type of side series. You know, they rely on their kick chase. They're they're very risk averse. But I don't know, mate. I think the set piece, the breakdown stuff is going to be huge. And people like Marrow, people, you know, like Billy, you know, Jackson Ray, those guys, um, Jamie George, going to be massive, massive in that Uh area. Gonna be great. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. On Monday, I'll be interviewing Olympic legend Shemi Alcott, and here's a taste of what to expect. I started training people. I started doing loads of mentoring over Zoom. I was up to like 15 classes a week. I love it because I'm obsessed with um, individual needs in terms of physical development. From I'm yeah. a coach, so I look at a guy who's got short legs and then, and then another athlete's got a long back. And it's like, right, how can I bring out the best in them with what we can do? And actually, I think more people got into fitness in Zoom, over Zoom, in lockdown, than they would have, you know, without. I, I did a class at the Ski Club of Great Britain and we actually got complaints because people couldn't get in. 
And I was like, why can't wow. we get in? And it's because we were maxed out. Rocket, Kieran Bracken, Nick Easter, the brand new rugby podcast. So I guess I guess the, uh, the 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 All England affair with Exeter and Northampton. I mean, you couldn't have. Um, I mean, I don't know what the odds are, but they're probably hundred to one watching Exeter smash everyone, um, even with their second team. And Northampton have lost. I think they lost the first five games. But you know, they do have Northampton. Do have some big name players like Courtney Laws, Dan Bigger. They've got that massive winger, uh, Naya Navarro. And they've got some players who could do damage. I quite like the, the scrum half who's around. But I think they've allowed, uh, you may have heard this, but they've had so many injuries up front and, and in the front row that they were struggling. So they've, they've actually signed Alex Seville on loan from Gloucester. So they, they changed the rules, uh, apparently, to allow them to get cover Otherwise, they would have had to play with 14 men if it went to uncontested scrums. I don't know whether you heard about that. So No, I did, mate. And Rob Baxter's come out as well and very sort of shrewdly and, and sort of softly um, spoken about mind games um, in terms of trying to influence the ref. You know, two young props. Exeter's obviously got a very dominant scrum and they're probably trying to depower them in that facet. But you've got Matt Carley refereeing that, an English referee who, you know, he won't be hoodwinked by anything like that. and. Ultimately, mate, you know, as Rob Baxter said, they had a young prop starting who had never played Premiership Rugby against Northampton a couple of weeks ago and and they ended up winning the game and you've got to start somewhere. And, um, yeah, I don't see anyone other than Exeter winning that game, mate. Northampton are low on confidence. Their game against Leicester last week, you know, they, they were bereft of any sort of energy or yeah. buzz about them. They had no get-up-and-go, did they? And, uh, and Exeter... They're, they're in a great place, mate. They're in a great place. First or second team, they are so comfortable knowing what their standards are and how they play that I don't see anything other than Exeter. I'll tell you, the tie, the tie, the tie, I think, in terms of it could be a blockbuster tie, but it could be a typical French v French tie where it's really, really cagey, is the Clermont Racing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the stats are that they those two teams have been losing finalists in in the last five of the seven, last seven years in in Europe. In Europe, yeah. So they've been the perennial bridesmaids. I mean, God, I, I, have you seen Finn Russell lately? You've seen some of his uh, some of oh. his play. What a player! Magic guy's a genius, isn't he? On the field, unbelievable. I mean, like talk about taken to the next level we knew it was good when he played for Scotland but when you get surrounded by players in the team he is in France and just allowed to play he's just it's the perfect marriage isn't it for someone yeah. like him to play in that league and play for that team I mean some of his skills and his offloads and his kicking I know he's got some great players around him but um but yeah I mean that's going to be that's going to be one hell of a game absolutely massive game but the the, the other one though the the Toulouse against Ulster, obviously at Toulouse. Um, I was quite surprised. I know Ulster lost in the final against Leinster, but the Ulster have beaten Toulouse. They've won three of their last four meetings, which is amazing. Mm. But when you look at the Toulouse side, you know, they've got Kano, they've got Jason Colby, Dupont, the scrum half, and Tomei. Yeah, they're, they're playing, they're, they're confident they're playing well. I mean, I'm actually going to go, right? My predictions, I'm going to go two away wins. Saracens, well, it depends if Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth playing for Saracens. I'm going to go Saracens. I'm going to go Racing Metro. Right. Okay. Racing, Racing have got the wood on Clermont in, and, and they actually beat them in the French Championship 
last year, I think it was up there in the Stad Michelin. Yeah. Um, and they've got the type of game to squeeze the life out of Clermont, you know, who like to, you know, both sides like to play clearly, but, um, you know, they've got the sort of game to go up there and obviously cause damage with Finn Russell. I think that would be a cracker. I mean, they're all so tight. Um, sorry, those two are so tight. I think Toulouse and Exeter, I think we'll have too much. I think they're a bit a bit more clear cut in my mind anyway. Um, we'll wait and see. But uh, there could well oh. be two away wins, mate. But we, we know the record books or the history tells you that um, home advantage in European quarterfinals usually goes the way of the home side, so... Who do you think is... Um, it'd be really... There's no crowds, so... No, I know that, but, yeah, and it does, you know, it does make a difference, a huge difference having no crowds. It'd be interesting, who, who of those do you think are going to win the final, get to the final? I mean, Exeter have been... Well, they've had seven campaigns and only once got past the group stage, so it seems for them they're really... Aiming for this this time, aren't they? It's Europe. Exton to lose, mate. Exton to lose. There you go. Okay. Uh, you've got and you've got two great, really good rugby sides for differing reasons there. Um, you're a defence coach, and I watch Exeter play. And I, you know, if if I was strategising how to stop Exeter, obviously you don't want to give them any penalties away because they're kicking to the corners and they're driving you over. They're doing this uh, the tap and go as well. What, what do you? How would you, how would you defend against Leicester? I was thinking about this. What Leicester or Exeter? Sorry, how do you defend? Oh, defending against Leicester is pretty easy. Exeter, sorry. Um, how do you how do you defend against? Obviously, with the driving more, you try and take it down early. But they do seem to take the first hit in the driving more, and then they just just seem to keep the ball off the floor and then just go again. And they don't even necessarily use the backs for the power that they've got. So they're driving more, obviously. Is huge, but also I've noticed that when they get anywhere near in the red zone, they always come away with with points, whether it's a penalty. But mainly now I've noticed rather than kick for goal, they either kick for the corner if it's near, or they'll just tap and go. How do you? I know you can chop tackle, but is it that sort of way that they play? Do they take it out of the opposition? No, they're uh, they're a, you know they're big they're big guys they're fit they're very well conditioned have been you know from a playing perspective for a long long time you know part of Rob's plan before they were contenders um, was to stretch their sort of levels of, of fitness on the rugby field and that may well I say about a team like Exeter like all the good teams the number one thing mate is you've got you've got to you've got to be switched on for the entire eighty. You can have a good 20-minute period. You can come blasting out of the blocks, but they can absorb that. You, you've seen that in a couple of games since lockdown. So it teams have gone at them, but they absorb it. They're comfortable. They're in control. They don't panic. And then all elements of their game are dangerous. Their defense is very good. Their kicking game is good. Their set piece is the go-to for, right, let's, let's just get ourselves out of dodge into the opposition 22, whether it be scrum, whether it be maul. Um, you know, gets a lot of penalties for them. Um, and their attack is obviously, you know, multi-phase and, you know, they're very well conditioned in terms of looking after it and not allowing the opposition to sniff. And, you know, the first thing is if when you come up to play against them is you, you've got to be alive for the full 80. You know, we've spoken about the tap and goes. Um, I know it's a bit close to the line, but, you know, they'll have a go if your backs are turned as well. You know, they're, they're not probably as... I think they're less predictable than they were. And although I say predictable it was bloody hard to defend against and it was very effective beforehand. I wouldn't say it was predictable, outright predictable, but they've added more to their game is what I'm trying to get at. Um, 
I just feel and, like and, I, and I mate, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win it. I wouldn't be surprised if they win both. They, they got two a uh, whole fit squad, very comfortable in their own skin, um, and playing very very well. Except except though, we know when it comes to the pressure and finals, they've they've choked a few times, you know. So you just never know. It would I think certainly in the Premiership, it's Exeter's all day long. But you never know. You might get a Wasp or a Bath or a Sale who just have that one-off game where it all just goes well for them, you know? So, but yeah, there's, Europe, always, there's always that possibility, isn't there? But for that. Europe, I think you're right. I mean, I, I guess it would be like, like to be, say, Toulouse and Exeter, and it would be very interesting, that final as well. But I, I always I always watch the games. I watch them, and it feels... I know they've got some... They, they do score tries in the backs, but it's generally... You know, they say rugby's, you know, forwards decide who wins the game and the backs decide by how much. But in reality, that's not true because it's their forwards who decide by how much because it's just so hard to defend that. I mean, you chop tackle, you chop tackle, but they just keep going and going and going. Um, so, yeah, it's a different way of playing. Um, I, have to, I have to go in about two, three minutes. So lastly, just I thought, I thought I'd just finish off, though. Um, and I don't know whether you've read in the press uh, the recent news. The first time, you know, that uh, a current player has come out uh, since Gareth Thomas uh, has been bisexual. Levi Davis, we we saw him in X Factor. X Factor, and, wasn't he? Yeah, and and you know, listening to him speak is uh, very heartwarming. But I can imagine, I understand why. You know, I'm sure there were uh, gay bisexual players in the changing room when I was playing, when you were playing, but. I can understand why players wouldn't come out because of the banter and because of the stick that you might get, but very brave of him to come out and, and actually and actually say how he feels and say he wants to be true to himself. And I, and I hope more players do come out who are struggling with their identity, uh, paved the way by Gareth Thomas. But, I mean, he, he took a lot of stick from the stands, uh, obviously retired now, but Levi must have been really hard for him. Must have been really yeah, but I think it's also credit to um, you know society and and rugby as well. Um, look, we've always claimed to be an inclusive sport, but uh, I suppose you know go, going back a few years, if you know pe- people sort of withheld you know their sexuality or you know their mental health, um, then clearly that wasn't the case. But uh, with people talking a lot more about mental health or their sexuality and um, uh, and and other issues um, that they might have hidden in the past, and they're able to freely talk about that, um, and have the support of all their teammates, have the support of the rugby fraternity, and everyone around there. And you know, <clears throat> ultimately, mate, you know, this to me, it's not really news. You know, it's your life, it's your private life. You know, you're entitled to do what you want. That you know. As far as I'm concerned, you know, if you if you if you wanted to get that out there, then great. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure whether things like this should actually be sort of headline news anymore, um, because it is, it's you know, it, hap- it happens. It's perfectly normal. You know, people have their own choices. They make their own choices in life, and um, and uh, you know, you, you move on, and it shouldn't sort of make any sort of difference to whether. Uh, you know, someone's character or an integrity or the values that they hold dear as well. I can understand though, you know, when I was going back now, you know, when I started out in the, in the nineties, um, you know, the banter of the changing room was, was always like, you know, any little weakness everyone would jump on, but the, the language we used to use 
which, and, and, and I'll be honest, you know, we used to, you know, you big puff or whatever, we'd all say those sort of things, oh, you, you know, you big Jesse or whatever, you know, uh, you know. So it's interesting how the language has changed, but but it must have been hard for people in those changing rooms who who live that private life are too embarrassed to say because as rugby players, you know, they are pretty, you know, harsh on each other, you know. So I'm glad that the language is changing and people are educated and people are sort of able to understand that, um, you know, we all come in different shapes and sizes and different sexualities and different things. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, across the board, mate, there's just much more awareness of... The emotional side of people isn't there than, than there was beforehand um and i think it's great you know so just for finishing off last thing have you um have you learned any geordie yet could you have you why are you man why are, are we the lads i knew that anyway quite good no that's I knew, quite... I knew that anyway I, my geordie accent's awful actually i need to practice it it's terrible do they do you get a funny look when you start talking with your proper geezer <laughs> from eastenders no, no, I don't get funny. Look, I've come up with a few good nicknames for the lads, which they like, though. A little bit of uh, Southern humour. Okay. Um, speaking you, of, you... actually, I was going to tell you, any, anyone listening, if they just want to have a little giggle, and it is hilarious, it's European quarter, we'll end on this, it's European quarter final week. We played Toulon 2012 in the European Challenge Cup quarter final. Went down there. You know, we, we, our focus was the premiership. You know, we went sort of down there with half a first team, half a second team. George Robson was captain our second row. Um, <clears throat> probably the first and last time he did it. And we were walking out of the change rooms. And if you, you've just got to Google George Robson rugby slip or fall, right? Oh, right. And if you watch it, we walk out of the change room. And it, they were quite slippy, to be fair. The floors just outside the Toulon change rooms. And the subs are all out there clapping, clapping, you know, clapping you through the sort of t- guard of honour sort of tunnel. And I can't remember yeah. who it was. Someone tapped him on the back and he fell on his ass, mate, on the floor. Heavy fall. Oh, my God. Was, down, just... was down for about five seconds. And all you've got to do is watch the players and the subs after absolutely wetting themselves, mate. Absolutely <laughs> wetting themselves. It is comedy gold. Comedy. So I'm just looking at it now. It's just coming out of the tunnel. Wait, 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 wait. It's just coming out of the tunnel. Wait, wait, wait. Oh no! And now watch. I think it's I think it's Danny Care, George Lowe, right on the on the left. Watch them; they just in fits of giggles, mate. You can imagine we didn't win the game. That, so, oh, that's amazing. So, I've, if anyone's yet, you just got to just like you did, just put that into YouTube. I've just seen it, but it's the, it's that first moment he's coming out of the change room, that moment where it's like, right, come on, fellas, and he's just gone boom on the floor. No wonder you lost. <laughs> oh, mate, no, exactly. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Thanks for listening to Rocket with me, Kieran Bracken, and my co-host Nick Easter. We'll be back on Monday, and I'll be interviewing Olympic legend Shemi Olcott. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favourite podcast platforms. <laughs>